Hello, and welcome to the AgriFood Safety Produce Bites podcast, where we discuss all things produce safety and dive into the rules and regulations surrounding the Food Safety Modernization Act Produce Safety Rule. My name is Micah Hutchison. I am a produce safety technician located in the Genesee Conservation District, and I work in Southeast Michigan with fresh produce growers on the implementation of the FISMA Produce Safety Rule. I'm Mariel Borgman with Michigan State University Extension. I'm a community food systems educator, and I work in the southwest part of the state. And I do a lot of different things related to food systems, but food safety is kind of a topic that uh, weaves its way through all of those things. My name is Rachel Rosenberg-Goldstein, and I'm an assistant professor in the Maryland Institute for Applied Environmental Health at the University of Maryland School of Public Health. And I'm also the director of the WOW Lab, which stands for Water Quality Outreach and Wellness. And I do research mostly on water quality and effectively communicating about water quality to communities. Yeah, so today we're here to talk about rainwater, and we're going to specifically talk about rainwater from the context of urban farmers and the significance of rainwater for urban agriculture and um, talk a little bit about what we know from the science around produce safety and compare that to kind of some of the general understanding of rainwater and kind of talk about what that all means for growers in urban areas. Micah, how have you seen urban farmers using rainwater in growing produce? Um, I mostly see rainwater collection in growing produce for like the irrigation needs of the farm. Yeah, Typically for irrigation, and I would say a lot of the time it's sort of a supplemental or additional um, source. I've seen few farms that have that as their sole source for water on the farm, um, but it's typically used or collected off of a hoop house or something like that on the farm. Have you seen that as well? Yeah, I've seen a lot of hoop house um, collection as well as just standalone collection units. How do those standalone collection systems work? So what I've seen most frequently is the model utilized by Keep Growing Detroit, where you have a standalone structure. So something that has four posts and a roof that is slanted. There's gutters on the back of the structure where rainwater is then collected into barrels. Interesting. I don't think I've seen a system like that. Mariel, how important is rainwater to your growers? Yeah, so I would say it's important not only as a supplemental source for irrigation water, but um, more in principle than anything. The cost of water is an issue. Urban growers have to pay the same cost to use water as a household, and those bills can add up really quickly. Um, And obviously for agricultural uses, especially when we have times of drought, um, you're using a lot more water than an average household would to irrigate your crops. And if you need to use water for any other purposes, like wash pack, sprays, et cetera, we know there are many, many uses for water on the farm. So that rainwater can really help supplement and offset some of those costs. Additionally, um, many of the growers have uh, values around uh, conservation of resources, uh, environmental sustainability, and so collecting rainwater as a way of uh, practicing conservation is really important as well. Have you seen um, other areas of importance in your work, Micah? 
I think what I see the most and what I hear the most um, are definitely related to what you said earlier with cost. Locally in the community I live in, um, we have the option to rent hydrant meters from the city of Flint, but the initial cost for any grower is $600. Um, also, I've seen a lot in Southeast Michigan urban areas, there isn't a lot of access available to growers. Not every community has the option to rent a hydrant. So rainwater helps alleviate some of those access issues. Absolutely. That's something I've seen in Kalamazoo uh, recently working with an urban grower there. It took a full growing season to get uh, water hooked up to the site. So it, she did eventually have access, but it was a, a whole season before that was installed. So, you know, really relying on some of those other sources of water, whether that's rainwater or bringing in water from offsite or borrowing from a neighbor. These are all strategies that urban growers are employing to irrigate their crops. Okay, so Micah, what has been uh, the general understanding of the risk level of this practice among growers and, and service providers? How risky have we thought rainwater to be? Mariel, I don't know about you, but I've, um, since working in produce safety, I've assumed that the risk level of the practice was pretty high. The rain barrels, I've seen a lot with screens, no like solid protection. So it was my understanding that if a bird pooped on the screen or some other animal that contaminated all of the rainwater, making it riskier to use. What is your understanding, Ben? Yeah, same here. I, th I would say in the produce safety circles, it's been thought of as pretty risky um, for those reasons that you stated. I think in general, growers that I've talked to seem to think of it as less risky. Um, but once they've you know gone through some produce safety trainings, I think that that has changed their mind a little bit. So I think there's definitely this pre-existing knowledge that it may be more risky um, in both of those communities. So how would the FISMA produce safety rule classify rainwater as you interpret it? Yeah, so I've always interpreted it as service water um, because it's not a closed loop system coming directly from a well um, as you would have with groundwater or a municipal system. And so it really kind of falls into that surface water category. Uh, essentially, too, as you had mentioned, a lot of those units are kind of open to the environment. They maybe have a screen on top or some kind of filter, um, but it, it definitely is open to the environment. So really putting it in that surface water category has made the most sense in terms of FISMA. I agree. Um, I definitely um, talk with growers about treating any rainwater they've collected as surface water. So mainly like using it to irrigate crops, not using it in post-harvest activities, um, drip if possible, reducing any contact with the harvestable portion of the crop, because I've assumed it's introduced a big risk. Yeah. So Rachel, what pathogens of human health significance could there be in rainwater? Yeah. So it's a great question, you know, because there is so much interest in harvesting rainwater and using it um, for irrigation, just more generally, but also for urban agriculture. Um, and we want to make sure that if we're using a water source that we have some idea about how risky it could be. So when we think about rainwater, we're less concerned about rainwater um, just as it falls from the sky. There could be pathogens that are aerosolized and in that water, but 
really the work that I do is focused on rainwater that's collected from a surface. So uh, the risks there are that there could be, as you mentioned, feces on the surface. So if we think about roofs or hoop houses, you know, if a bird poops on the surface, then the rainwater as it runs along that surface and is collected could pick up some of those feces, which could potentially have pathogens in it. Um, and when we think about feces, we're really talking about things like enteric pathogens. So um, bacteria and other microorganisms that can live in the guts of animals. So this is something like E. coli is a common example of an enteric pathogen. Um, we also know that when we talk about birds, in particular, salmonella um, is uh, endemic in bird populations, and it's also a leading cause of, of foodborne illness. So that's something that, that we need to really evaluate. Yeah, those are some of the common ones we bring up in a lot of our food safety trainings, so they are, should be familiar to our listeners. <laughs> yes. So, Rachel, how have you applied your research to reclaimed rainwater used for irrigation? Yeah, so through my WOW lab, we have the RIPER program, which stands for Rooftop Runoff Irrigating Produce Eaten Raw. And this program or project really started because farmers in Maryland were asking us if it was safe to use harvested rainwater to irrigate their produce. And when we looked at the literature, this started back in about 2018, um, there really wasn't that much in the literature showing what the risk was or what type of pathogens might be in uh, harvested rainwater. So uh, we started by doing a pilot project at a site in Frederick, Maryland, that was already collecting rainwater from a roof surface and using a first flush diverter. So taking the first volume of water coming off a roof and discarding that, and then using the rest of the water to irrigate some raised vegetable garden beds. Um, and we actually just published the results of that study this past June. And the good news is that we didn't find any Salmonella or Listeria monocytogenes, which were two pathogens that we were looking at. We didn't find either of those pathogens in the water that was being harvested. Um, we also, we took it one step further. We wanted to look at um, possible pathogens and E. coli in the soil that was contacted by that water and the produce being grown with that water. Uh, the good news is that when we looked at E. coli, all of the, uh, the average E. coli for all of our harvested rainwater samples were below the good, agric uh, good agricultural practices guidelines and also, you know, the FSMA standard of 126 colony forming units per 100 mils. And then we only found a very small percentage of our produce had any E. coli present on it. Um, so we're, we're trying to follow that up. We know that we can't generalize just from one site. So we're currently working in Baltimore City, which has many, many urban farms, over 30 now, and about 300 community gardens. And we're working with um, people who are already harvesting rainwater, and we're evaluating what the quality of that water is. Um, because what we know is there's variability in the systems. Like you all were saying, you know, some of these systems, the barrels are open to the environment. Some are closed. 
Um, there's all different volumes. And so we wanna understand uh, from a wider sample, what is the water quality of harvested rainwater? Yeah, so knowing that there's a lot of different systems out there and different techniques for collecting rainwater, Rachel, have you uh, come up with a list of maybe some best practices for rainwater collection that would help to minimize the potential of any microbial contamination? Yeah, I mean, I think there are just some good practices, maintaining your rainwater harvesting system. So emptying your barrel um, every now and then, we usually say around two weeks. And then also just checking your system, making sure that there aren't leaks, that there aren't cracks that could be openings for different contaminants. And then we also have been suggesting that people clean their rainwater harvesting system, their barrels, every year, um, either with a mixture of soap and vinegar or dish soap or a less than 5% bleach solution. Um, we've also seen from our work, both with harvested rainwater, but other with other water sources too, that different types of treatments can be effective. So these can be sustainable, low-cost things, sometimes things that farmers are already doing, like a sand filter uh, can effectively reduce pathogens and E. coli. Um, the first flush system that we tested in our study, which was just a 35-gallon um, uh, barrel to remove that first volume of water coming off the roof. And then there are other sustainable technologies that we're interested in looking into, and we're uh, currently gearing up to test things like zero-valent iron, which is uh, using recycled iron shavings. Um, so think of it kind of like a Brita filter, um, but just some sort of filter to improve the quality of water even more. When you did your research, were you doing drip irrigation? So the system that we did our pilot study on in Frederick, Maryland was a really unique system, and it was based on a design that uh, they were using in Australia. So it was actually subsurface irrigation. Um, so we think, you know, that that could have also reduced some of the, the transfer of any potential E. coli from water to the produce. Um, but, you know, you all know <laughs> that drip irrigation is a, a less risky form of irrigation, too. So I would say really for any water type, using drip irrigation is a good idea, even with harvested rainwater. Yeah, I was just going to ask, Rachel, was there anything else that came out of your research that you feel might be important for growers to know? Yeah, I think, you know, along with, with our water quality research, we also asked urban farmers in Baltimore City, were they interested in harvesting rainwater and what their concerns were? And we found that there was a lot of interest in rainwater harvesting, but the concerns were mainly around the cost of the system and water quality. So I think it's just important that we keep up this work of water testing so that we can really um, confidently tell urban farmers if harvesting rainwater could be another alternative irrigation water source for them. My only question would, and this is again, sorry to, don't want to divert the conversation, but just for clarity, um, there weren't anything being like sanitizers or antimicrobials being used in the collected rainwater. It was just what was in the barrel. That's right. It was just, there was no additional treatment. It was just the water was being collected off the roof. 
the first 35 gallons were being diverted and then it was being sent to those raised garden beds with subsurface irrigation. Is that a practice that you would recommend as well, diverting some of that water prior to using it for irrigation? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of research showing that the first volume of water often is more contaminants, which makes sense if you think that there are contaminants like feces hanging out on the roof or whatever surface you're collecting from, that they'd really be picked up in that first volume of water. So it's a easy, low-tech way to just reduce the risk of contamination. And I think also, you know, just like a big picture takeaway is I really believe that rainwater harvesting could be this amazing, sustainable water source for for urban farmers because of all the different environmental benefits and because what we've seen so far shows that it does meet the food safety guidelines. Will we have like a link to the research available for growers? Sure. I'm happy to share a link to the article that we just published. And then um, my WOW Lab has a website where we try to regularly update what we're doing with the regular project. Links to anything referenced in this episode are provided in our show notes, which can be accessed on the website at canr.msu.edu slash agrifood underscore safety. Thank you to everyone for listening, and don't forget to tune in next month for another episode of our Produce Bites podcast.